from him who loves you with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, with all his mind, and who loves you far more than he loves himself. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson, the parable of the Good Samaritan, especially the end of it where it says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is our text. Love. Love. It's an easy thing to say, but not always such an easy thing to do. How are you doing at it? How are you loving your neighbor in your daily life? When I read this week's gospel lesson, I had to ask myself that very question. How are you doing, Tom, at loving other people, at loving your neighbor? The question the lawyer asks Jesus is, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus points him all the way back to the Torah, and he says, what does the Torah say? And the lawyer answers correctly. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. So how well are you doing at those commands? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind? And are you loving your neighbor as yourself, not just your next door neighbor, but your neighbor who is completely unlike you, your Republican neighbor or your Democrat neighbor, your very rich neighbor or your very poor neighbor, your self-righteous neighbor or your completely unrighteous neighbor, the neighbor who thinks and acts and talks and dresses just like you or the neighbor who thinks and talks and acts and dresses completely unlike you? How well do you love your neighbor who needs more than just a passing handout on a corner somewhere, but your neighbor who needs a continuing, ongoing, sustained, financial, emotional, and spiritual kind of help? After all, if we are to take Jesus at his word, if we are to know him for who he is, the Son of God, Jesus means what he says. He says, go and be like this guy we call the Good Samaritan. Give your time, give your money, even perhaps risk your safety to go and love your neighbor, to love those around you. Do this, he says. Do this and you will live. That's tough. So let me ask you again, are, are you doing it? Are you following the lead of the Good Samaritan? 
If not, Jesus says pretty clearly that you will not inherit eternal life. If you aren't loving God with absolutely everything you've got, and if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, then Jesus says you will not live. You're as good as dead. You might as well be lying in a ditch, beaten and bloody, just about ready to be put in a grave. It's interesting, isn't it, that usually, oftentimes, when we read this parable of the Good Samaritan, we identify ourselves with the Good Samaritan. We congratulate ourselves for not being like the priest who walks on by on the other side, for being like the Levite who walks on by on the other side. We, we think of ourselves as the Good Samaritan. We learn the lesson that we are to care for people in need, and it's a good lesson. We ought to sacrifice our comfort and ourselves for the sake of others. It's a, it's a lesson that, unfortunately, we need to hear again and again, over and over again. But we miss the whole point of this text if we forget the way this entire story begins with the question, the first question that the lawyer asks. He asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved, Jesus? It's a question about salvation. And if salvation is part of the conversation, it isn't long before we find ourselves beaten and bloodied and lying in the ditch of our sin that we have dug for ourselves. We have to be honest. Now, there are certainly days or seasons in our lives when we are generous, when we help other people, uh, when we give to those who have great need in one way, shape, or form. But when we're honest with ourselves, we know all too well that we do not love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. You see, it isn't so much what we do. It's far more what we leave undone, which is also sin. We don't love the Lord our God with all, not even near all, of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And we certainly don't always love our neighbor as ourselves. We're much more like the man who had been robbed and beaten and bloodied than we are like the man who stepped up to help him. But if anyone is like or actually is the good Samaritan, it is Jesus. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had, note the word, he had compassion. The word compassion here in our text means inward parts, guts. It, it's, a, it's a way of, of showing that the person who has compassion is being moved to the innermost core of their being. It's a gut-wrenching, stomach-twisting kind of mercy. And in the New Testament, it's a Jesus verb. It's a verb that is often used of Jesus or by Jesus. He has gut-wrenching, stomach-turning, twisting compassion for people for the people who are like sheep without a shepherd, the Bible says. Or for the sick. Or for that widow, the Bible says. And in the parables, the Jesus figures in the parables uh, are like the, the forgiving king or the father of the prodigal and the prodigal son and the Samaritan and our gospel lesson for today. All of them show compassion. It's this word. 
the stomach-twisting, gut-wrenching kind of compassion that this person, that this Jesus, that this Son of God has for his neighbor. So rather than the good Samaritan, we might call him the gut-wrenching, stomach-twisting, compassionate, loving, in the true sense of the word, loving Samaritan. He's moved by his very insides with compassion. He is the giver of gut-wrenching compassion in the innermost core of himself is Jesus' love for you. Jesus looks at us in our sin and helplessness and he refuses, like the Levite or the priest, to walk on by. He must help. He cannot do otherwise. He comes down to us, binds up our wounds. He cares for us. And then Jesus doesn't just throw a few coins the way of an innkeeper to help and watch over us. He pays the price. He pays the ultimate price of his life. He pays the price of death. He pays the price of hellish separation from God for you. He pays the price of the cross. And he doesn't just walk out of the tomb and walk away from us. He continues to check in on us, to check up on us, to continue to pay the price so that we are cared for, so that we convalesce, so that we are given love and forgiveness like he's about to do again today because every time you come up to the Lord's Supper here in this place, it's like Jesus paying the innkeeper for your care. He gives you what you need to be healed from your sin and sinfulness. He provides the oil of mercy for the guilt and shame that you feel. He bandages up the hopelessness of your heart and gives you hope for a future that is full and free and forever forgiven. But most of all, he loves you in the sacrament as he places his own body and blood into your own mouth to eat and to drink. And in that very act, he loves you with all his heart with all his soul, with all his strength, and that's pretty strong, and with all his mind. And even more than that, he loves you more than he loves himself. How can that even be? As the book of 1 John tells us, we love because God first loved us. And that's why we love our neighbor, all of our neighbors, because we have been in the ditch too. And in a very real sense, we are still in the ditch of our sin and sinfulness. We are still in the ditch of death as long as we live in this world. But we have the ultimate rescuer who has had compassion on us and who continues for us that gut-wrenching, stomach-twisting compassion for us each and every day of our lives. So now that we've been rescued, now that we have been loved, now that that compassion has been poured out on us, now that we have been forgiven, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Do we stay wallowing in the ditch, just giving up and hoping to die? Or do we sit there in, in the inn, convalescing and never getting up out of bed? No, that's not what Jesus calls us to do. We follow the calling of Jesus out of his love and compassion. 
we follow the calling of Jesus who loves us, has had mercy and compassion on us, who heals us and forgives us, and who resurrects us from our sin today and from our grave on that great day, who was the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He was that neighbor, and he was the one who had compassion, who showed mercy. He was the one who loved, and Jesus said to the lawyer that day, you go now. And do likewise. Do like the Good Samaritan. And it's the same message that he has for us today. He resurrects us every morning out of our beds so that we follow in our Savior's footsteps by going into the ditch to care for and help and serve and love those who are hurting. To share the love of Christ with our neighbors even and especially those neighbors who are completely and totally unlike us. This is what Christians do because this is what God has done for us. We love. It's an easy word to say, but certainly not an easy thing to do unless, unless Jesus is the one who is doing the loving in and through us. And that's what he does. By the grace and the power of his Holy Spirit, he has had mercy on beaten up sinners like you and me, and he loves through us with a stomach-twisting, gut-wrenching kind of compassion that he lives in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.